right here in this passage, we see that God is basically saying, I have already won. This isn't even, it's not even a fight. Hey, hey, welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we talk through some of the most astonishing stories in the Bible and how to live like those stories are true. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and my hope is that these conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live the story. Picture the line in the sand between good and evil. Does it ever feel like the other side, that side where Satan stands, is the winning side? Well, the verses we're going to look at today point to a different end to the story, all because of the seed of the woman. And as you're going to hear my guests say today, Satan doesn't have a dog in the fight. Portia Collins is a Bible teacher, a writer, and a podcaster with a passion for sharing God's Word. This conversation is so much fun. I know that you are going to enjoy Portia so much. She's the founder of She Shall Be Called, a nonprofit women's ministry focused on Bible literacy. And you can also catch her hosting two weekly podcasts, Grounded, which is a podcast uh, and video cast from Revive Our Hearts, and also Sweet Tea with Jasmine and Portia. Well, let's jump right into our conversation about the seed of the woman. Portia, welcome. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. Okay. Oh, I am too. I am too. So Portia, I hear that you had an interest in high school and college with like legal stuff. You know, you Mm -hmm. did mock trials and stuff like that, right? Yes. Yes. So yeah, um, probably up until my senior year of college, I, um, I wanted to be a lawyer. In fact, my name actually means strong lawyer. Um, it, yes. And so I just felt like that was like, okay, this is my cue. (laughs) I am going to be a lawyer. Um, (laughs) Apparently I was wrong, but I took a very, uh, a strong interest in all things legal Mm -hmm. at a young age. And yes, a lot of it has stuck with me. So yeah. (laughs) Well, you're just kind of practicing law in a different way because you're like opening the (laughs) law of the Lord and (laughs) making it clear for God's people. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're probably a little more familiar than I am with the whole legal jargon and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But as, as the way I see our text, God is acting now like a judge. Yes. In our last segment, we had God interacting with Adam and Eve Mm-hmm. asking them questions and he's coming to them more like a father, right? You know, they are his children and they have disobeyed. They have eaten this fruit. They're hiding in shame. They're trying mm-hmm. to cover themselves. And, um, you know, God calls them out with questions, with gentle questions. So we talked right. through that in our last episode, but this time we see God and he, he is um, going to turn his attention to the snake, to the serpent Mm -hmm. who has infiltrated this garden. Um, And God is not asking any questions anymore. Uh, In fact, he's got some pretty harsh statements. He's got a sentence that he's going to proclaim over the serpent and also a prophecy. Mm. You see, there's a prophecy. I did. I did. There's a fancy word for that. Yeah. What is that fancy word? So in English, we say proto-evangelium. The Greek is proto 
euangelion, which basically means first gospel or first good news. And so, yeah, we're going to, I don't want to give it all away, but I I know that we're going to talk about it. We're going to get there. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. So why don't you go ahead and read Genesis 3, 14 through 15, and you're reading in the CSB version? Correct. All right. All right. It says, verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. All right. So God's talking to the serpent Mm -hmm. and he starts out by saying, because you have done this, Mm What is this? What is the serpent done? First of all, if you notice, God has spoken to, he's making this judgment or these pronouncements, but he is now speaking to the serpent first because he was the first one who opened his mouth to even Ooh. stir up this whole snafu. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. And so he spoke to him first. And this is basically what, what he did was enticing. Like he introduced this whole thing to Eve and then consequently, you know, to Adam. And so this whole little conspiracy is started with the serpent. Yeah. Yeah. And they've basically shifted their allegiance to the serpent. Yes. They're taking his word over God's word. God's word. Yes. And, and Mm -hmm. so he is a traitor. I mean, this is high treason. Mm -hmm. Yes. High treason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And, and so First, what else do we see about God here? Like the fact that Mm -hmm. God can make these statements, you know, right? what do they say about, what does this say about him? So there's a ton of things that sticks out to me as I read this passage. The first thing was he comes out, God comes out of the gate and he says, you are cursed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's speaking like authoritatively. Oh yeah. And then he unpacks what that curse looks like. Okay. So he tells him all right, you were cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. And so it's like, okay, the serpent has gone straight to the bottom of the barrel. Like he (laughs) is, he's at the bottom, both figuratively and literally. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by literally, look at the next part. He says, you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. That is a literal depiction of being at the bottom. You are face first to the ground. And I think that's, it's interesting that that is in contrast to how we're introduced to the serpent. Right. The beginning of chapter three, he is said to be the most crafty, mm-hmm. which is not always a negative word. It's sort right. of like this wisdom, like, you know, he was intelligent Right. Well, think about what Jesus said. He calls us to be, um, if you look at in the New Testament, um, the Gospels, because it's all throughout the Gospel. He calls us to be as shrewd as serpents, but as gentle as doves. Mm -hmm. And so if Jesus uses that in that context, that let us know that the craftiness is not necessarily bad, but it's how the serpent used its craftiness uh, that makes this bad. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. How he used it. Yeah. So he was on the top of the pile of the animal mm-hmm. kingdom, which mm-hmm. is hard for us to imagine, mm-hmm. but now God is giving him this curse. You are the lowest of the lowest low. Of the low. Yep. And Portia, is he just talking to snakes here? Like what, what is this deal? Like, I mean, I feel like this curse is sort of to the snake who kind of, I don't know, we know inhabited Satan, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. he cooperated Mm -hmm. with Satan in some sort of way. Right. But it's also, I feel like we're going to be moving to, you know, he's talking to the devil. What do you make of that? I, I, well, honestly, I I think, especially, I don't want to jump the gun, but as we get into this offspring, offspring thing, We we see that it's not just the serpent, but it's like anybody who's in allegiance with what the serpent is promoting. See, yes. the, the serpent is prideful, prideful mm-hmm. to the point to he felt like he could slick his way around God's plan, around God's word. And what, what I find really interesting about this is that God calls him out on that by the way that he curses him. And what I mean by that is you thought yourself to be so high and mighty. And now I am going to bring you to a point of humiliation to where you will now crawl on your belly in the face to the dust. So it's like, we know it's Satan, but the serpent thought he was mightier, thought Mm -hmm. he could get around the plan. But what he didn't think about was God's power and his ability to immediately bring him to a point of indefinite humility to make him bow that blew my mind when as I was studying right like he made him bow immediately and I want to throw this in really really quickly I had I've been studying the book of Isaiah in my personal time and in Isaiah 45 there is a section where the prophet Isaiah is mentioning um, or, you know, he's speaking as the the voice or, you know, the announcer for God saying this is what God says. And the prophet specifically talks about how one day every knee will bow, whether you are bowing in humble submission to God or whether he makes you bow. And what's so interesting is God does not wait to make the serpent bow. Hmm. He makes him bow immediately. He doesn't get the same mercy as Adam and Eve or as us. He immediately has to bow and recognize that even though you thought you could circumvent what I'm doing, I am God and I am all powerful. So, yeah, (laughs) preach it, girl. Like that is a metaphor, right? I mean, he's already bowing. And mm-hmm. everybody's going to one day bow. Mm-hmm. And so if mm-hmm. you're being deceived by this slithering, like on his yes. belly, mm-hmm. you know, tyrant, then think again. And, and I, I think it's interesting too, like he is going to be cursed above all the livestock. That means mm-hmm. everybody's cursed. The, the whole mm-hmm. animal kingdom mm. has, has fallen. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I think Portia, sometimes we don't spend enough time thinking about how the garden was before the fall right? and how this new garden will one day be that will, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, where we'll have eternal life and like the animal kingdom. I like this verse. You mentioned another, that verse in Isaiah, but in Isaiah 65, 25, it says that the wolf and the lamb will graze together. Mm. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But then look at what it says about the serpent and dust shall be the serpent's food. 
It's, look, so, what did I say? Forever. Like forever. face to the ground forever, yeah. indefinitely. All, all the days of your life. Mm-hmm. So so like the curse is going to be lift, lifted in the messianic mm-hmm. rule, but not for the serpent. Not for the serpent. God does not extend that mercy to the serpent. And it's yeah. immediate. And like, that's what I was telling someone um, as I was talking about this. You know, sometimes we question God's ability to act swiftly when it comes Mm. to justice. Yes. But right here we see his judgment against the serpent is so swift that he doesn't even wait. It's not even one day you will bow. You are going to bow right now and you are going to indefinitely eat dust. Whereas for (laughs) many of us, we have already as believers, me and you, we have come into the fold humbly submitting to God and God is still patiently waiting for others to repent. That's a mercy that God has not put us face, you know, face to the floor. And so, yeah. I mean, I think what's kind of surprising about, like, if you're just reading this story for the first time and you find out Mm -hmm. God only had one restriction for Mm -hmm. his viceroy rulers in his place, like Mm -hmm. his only restriction was, you know, just don't eat from this tree. Like just declare that I am God and you are not by not eating this one tree and they do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And they're deceived. Like, I think, I mean, I just figure God destroying everybody right then and there, right? (laughs) Starting He would be well within his means if he He did. So the mercy and the grace that Mm -hmm. he extends to some is a sheer like blessing. It is like, I can't even comprehend it because justly all of us, are yeah. old like God God did not have to extend mercy even to some exactly but yeah but like you just said I think this shows God is sovereign he mm. is ruling over the snake mm-hmm. the snake does not even get to talk the snake can talk and he don't say a word and so right. I think like we've got to just hold on to that like picture that the next time that you see evil ruling remember the snake the snake is eating dust yes. he is yes. bowing you know, he has no knees. <laughs> he right. is just on his face before God eating yeah. dust. Like that yeah. is the position of our enemy, mm-hmm. but okay. So let's go on. Um, so the next part, God is saying to the snake, mm-hmm. I will put, um, enmity. What is your, what's your, um, my, my word says hostility, hostility. but enmity yeah. is, okay. I, I look at different translations when yep. I study so yeah. in, enmity is in my notes and hostility is in, in, in my translation. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like hostility. So I will put hostility between you and the woman and between mm-hmm. your offspring and her offspring. Mm-hmm. So let's break that down. What is he talking about here? Like, so this seems like it's extended beyond. So there is there's God is like drawing mm-hmm. enemy lines here. There's an mm-hmm. and there's a line and mm-hmm. on one side is the woman and on one side is the serpent. What's what else is going on here? Yeah. So I, as I look at this, the first thing that stands out to me is, OK, he says this hostility is between you and the woman. But then he goes a step further and we see that this this hostility or enmity is also generational because mm-hmm. it says and between your offspring and her offspring. So it's like, oh, let me even back up. Are you afraid of snakes? Oh, yeah. I we should have talked about that. <laughs> and so, and so <laughs> when I read this and I think about the hostility between the serpent and the woman, I'm, and the first thing I, I was like, is this why? Are we all afraid of snakes because of this? <laughs> They're just awful. They come out of... <laughs> 
you know, they get in places that you're not expecting. Like I heard about a woman who mm-hmm. a snake was on her doorway. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, they're creepy. I don't like right. them. <laughs> and so like, that was something that I thought about is that there is a tension or like a hostility, but even now between the serpent and people, like, I don't know very many people who like, well, I know a couple of crazy people who adore snakes. I but... know. I, I do have a couple outlier friends. <laughs> right, but... <laughs> right. But for the most part, there is this hostile relationship. And so I, I, I looked at it that way, which is like, I guess you would say a surface level, level way of looking yeah. at that. But when you think about the grand scheme of like good and evil, or even just uh, the war that Satan is making on God's people. Mm-hmm. You know, he attacks us. He comes, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see the hostility and the, the I guess you would say, just the constant attacks, the tense relationship yeah. between the serpent and the people. Like, it doesn't stop. So, like, right here, where he once came up to the woman and was able to even approach her and talk conversation. Like now it is a hostile, weird, awkward, you know, relationship. Now, you know, from that point up until now, we still see the effects of it. So that's somewhere that my mind, you know, I could be completely off in that, but, (laughs) but I, I think that's one of the things that we see there is not only is it a hostile situation right then and there between the serpent and Eve, but also that has kind of trickled down all the way now yeah. in, as it pertains to how, how Satan, you know, attacks God's people and he's out, you know, prowling around looking for folks to devour. That's right. Right. And um, actually, so, you know, what we see, like I said, God is drawing up the sides mm-hmm. and on mm-hmm. one side is the serpent and his mm-hmm. offspring. And on the other side is the woman and her offspring And really it's God's mercy because Adam and Eve, they were on the side of the serpent. Right. And so by declaring God's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm, I'm putting the line different. Yes. You know, I'm making you enemies with the serpent. So this is like Mm -hmm. God's mercy that he is even drawing up the sides Mm -hmm. um, and that they are not on the enemy side because then they're opposing God and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they've been deceived by this serpent. Imagine how they, how they (laughs) felt as God Mm -hmm. is just unveiling, like, this is your arch enemy. Like this, you have been deceived. He has brought Mm -hmm. death on you. He, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be cursed. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm not putting you over on his side as my enemy. Like that's God's mercy. I'm keeping you over on my side. But then like, I think my question next is like, well, then who is this seed or this offspring of the woman? Mm -hmm. Because if you just think about like physical children, it's not going to be all of her because next who's her first child is Cain and Abel. Right. Right. And we see Cain kind of siding with mm-hmm. evil. Mm-hmm. And so it's not all of her physical children who are like, who's the offspring and the offspring. Who are we talking about here, Portia? Well, the, the immediate offspring that I think, especially because this particular verse is referred to as the proto evangelium. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So, so like, <laughs> like, what's the good news here? Uh-huh. Um, this is pointing to Christ. You know what I'm saying? So, this is not offspring whose allegiance is with the serpent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is off offspring who is on the side of 
price. And so one of the things that I noticed too, um, I'm, I'm really into word studies, um, probably to a fault. No, <laughs> I love it. Bring it. <laughs> um, but the, the word offspring here uh, in the Hebrew is actually a collective noun that is referring to groups, you know, like, so the victory that, in which I'm kind of leading into the next part, he will strike your head and you will strike his head. But the victory that we get is not just because of the woman, all right? It's because of the woman and her offspring. And so if we put that together with what we know to be true about Jesus and how he conquers, you know, death, you know, the grave, sin, everything, then we know that what is being, what's being alluded to here is Jesus, his coming. So, so the question of who's the seed of the woman, like really the rest of the Bible is basically trying to answer that question. Yes, absolutely. Like who is this seed and where, where is it going to come from? And they don't understand. Mm -hmm. They don't know the stories unfolding, but there is this righteous line. And basically Mm -hmm. the lines are drawn with are you siding with the devil or are you right. siding with the seed of the woman? Right. And, and God's, you know, God has his chosen people. We mm-hmm, see, mm-hmm. you know, God chooses Abraham in Genesis mm-hmm. 12. And, and so from that line, this seed is going to come, but just think um, Portia of all the times in the Bible that somebody's trying to wipe out this seed, wipe out yes. this, this chosen people, you know, yes. this offspring. Like, can mm-hmm. you think of any examples? Uh, hello, Moses. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kill the firstborn. Like they, they're trying yes. to get rid of. Yes. Oh, I, I think so many times. Oh, you are sending me down a rabbit trail. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to do that. But. <laughs> but I'm thinking of all of, you know, all of the decrees from kings and where yes. uh, this seed is constantly being attacked or, yes. you know, sought after. And I think that is why you can connect that, that hostility, what we just said, that, that, uh, ho- the relationship that is host- hostile between the serpent and the woman yeah. that is reflected in how the seed is always sought after to be attacked or eliminated, right. you know, exactly. And then that last part is where the Lord is kind of showing us, yeah, that it's going to be hostile, but it's not going to be hostile, hostile to your defeat. You know what I'm saying? And then he unpacks it. Okay. I keep jumping the gun. Girl. Yeah, no, all right, all right. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Just one more, one more thought before we get there. Okay. okay. Um, so we've, you know, we've, like you said, there are all these Kings who are trying to wipe mm-hmm. out the seed, but then I think it's so interesting too, that when Jesus is born again, um, Herod's yes. trying to Herod. wipe out all yep. the baby boys. You know, he wants mm-hmm. to kill the seed. Like this mm-hmm. is the enmity, the mm-hmm. hostility between the serpent. It's like the children of the serpent, the offspring mm-hmm. of the serpent. We see it in Herod. We see it in Pharaoh. But then yes. we also see it in the most unlikely. Jesus calls these Pharisees a, yes. brood, a brood of vipers. A like, brood of vipers. They, and what is a viper? A, a snake. snake right? right? And yeah, and he says that they are, let's see, what's that verse? Um, you are of your father, the, de- the devil. He calls them a brood of vipers mm-hmm. in John 8, 44. So like he is, they're the religious leaders. Yes. And yet they have sided. They are the children. They're on the wrong side. They're, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're enemies of God because they're not siding with Jesus, this seed, 
the seed. And, and so when Jesus comes, this is the fulfillment of that. What's that big word you used? <laughs> Proto evangelium. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I saw that word. And I thought, Oh, I'm not going to get that one. But, um, but yeah, so like that was the first utterance of this good news that there's yeah. coming a day mm-hmm. that this serpent, something's going to happen with the serpent. So read that verse 15 again. Yeah. I mean, so, 16 or no, I call it 15 B. That's there you I, go. 15 B. <laughs> it says he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And I think that this is like, when I read that, I'm like, what the serpents strike at the heel may hurt, but it's not a mortal or a decisive blow. But a strike at the head, you know, that's it. It's done. You know what I'm saying? It's too, yeah. like, think about it. If you, if you bump your foot, it's like, oh yeah. But most of the time when we bump our heads, it's like, oh, call the, call the hospital, you know, like, yeah. no, that's a, serious. It is a bigger, yes. Yeah. And so I, I feel like this is, um, a good imagery of the level of defeat um, yeah. that is going to happen to the enemy, to to the serpent, serpent, and all of the serpent's offspring. Anybody yeah. who is on that side of the fence, and so right. yeah, yeah, it just may, it reminds me too that, like I said, even with the hostility and what we were talking about how the seed is being sought after to be killed and you know how the Pharisees we see this over and over and these are things that may hurt they may be you know painful or hard to experience but they're not decisive blows Mm. ultimately the victory that happens through Christ is the decisive like it's finished it's done Yes. It makes me want to shout. (laughs) That's so good. All right. So like, I just want to paint this image. There's a snake in the room Mm -hmm. and it's coming after you. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's the best way for a snake to get you is well, your ankles. Cause it's on the ground. Yeah. Like we said, it's mm-hmm. on its belly and it's going to mm-hmm. bite your ankle. Like if it's venomous, you know, it could bite right. your ankle and that could be serious. But if you stomp on it, on its yeah. head, on its head, that's, you it. know, if you stomp mm-hmm. on it, well, that's it. That's it for that snake. It's done. Yeah. And that's what's happening. The offspring. So in this verse, mm-hmm. um, he will bruise your head. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to bruise the head of the snake. And I mean, bruise yeah. like that isn't, I, I like the word crush. I've heard like, I've, in, heard, I've heard crush. My translation says strike. Yeah. Uh, but and yes, bruise other, sounds a little, you know, sometimes I, I feel like bruise sound like, uh, bruise, like no. that's not so bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I know that there are other verses that say, you know, that um, the enemy was crushed or that Jesus was crushed too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So he's going to, let's just use the word crush. He's going to crush the head mm-hmm. of Satan, but yes. Satan will bruise Jesus's heel or he mm-hmm. will, you know, mm-hmm. crush or bite whatever Jesus's heel. Right. And so what is that? What is that? Where is Jesus's heel going to be bruised in the story? Like, where do we see that? The cross. Um, yeah. The obviously cross. On the cross. Mm-hmm. But was the cross. It was not. It wasn't definitive. the end. It exactly. wasn't definitive. It yeah. was not the end. It wasn't. It wasn't a mortal or definitive blow. Because what does Jesus do? He gets up. He <laughs> gets right. out the grave. He is resurrected. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. Like, doesn't that just make you? I don't know. It's like mind blowing, Shannon. Well, like, yeah, mind blowing. It is. And I mean, it's just. It's supernatural. 
And I think that we are so often so inward focused on our part of the story, Mm -hmm. which the snake is loose. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he, in one sense it's finished, but another sense, like he is still slithering around on his belly, you know, it's the someday and the not yet or the not yet. Mm -hmm. And the um, already not yet. There you go. The already and the not yet. And so, and we though, now we are the offspring Mm -hmm. that is mentioned here. And I love Mm -hmm. how you said earlier, like, I mean, there's a lot coming after us as the offspring Mm -hmm. of Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. The serpent is after us. He wants Mm -hmm. to, he wants to come at us and, and he wants to come at all, everyone, all of the children of mankind, you know, I mean, suicide. Yes. um, By any means he is trying anything. anything. If he can kill you, then, then it's done. There's right. You know, Mm -hmm. if he can cut your life short. So Mm -hmm. he is coming after us and our children and our neighbors and the whole, the whole world full of Mm -hmm. God's image bearers. He is Go ahead. Well, look, well, what he's trying to do, just like you said, God has drawn the line in the sand. And based on what we've read here, we now know that the serpent is aware of his his fate. Like he knows, all right, I don't I don't have a dog in the fight. That's one of my southern sayings. <laughs> I <okay>? love it. <laughs> look, I don't have a dog in the fight. So my objective now is to either destroy them, like you said, to kill them or to get them to side with me so that they can meet the same in that I already, I already have. He knows that there's no hope for him. So what he is trying to do is pull as many people from, he, he, he wants the offspring on the other side to come over and be his off, offspring. That's right. Yeah. But think about the offspring on his side. Like, if yeah. you're on, he's not loyal to you. He wants to, he's kill. not, he, he's he's not, not loyal not. to anybody. Look at, I mean, Adam and, and Eve. And they are it. deceived. Yes. They are deceived just They're like deceived. Adam and Eve were. Yeah. Think about how Satan is described as he comes presenting himself as an angel of light. Yeah. So what does that say? He comes as if everything is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not the end for me. That's what he wants us to believe so that we can get on his side and then we'll see, oh, this was not it. Like, so he comes trying to trick us offering promises that he can't make good on. I was just on the bike trail. Um, I think it was last week I was walking and there was this mm-hmm. guy on his bike riding mm-hmm. past and every person he passed, he would say, hail Satan, hail mm-hmm. Satan. And then when he rode back the other way, um, he, he said, God hates you. Satan loves you. He was saying that to every person on the trail and the other people. I mean, I I'm from a, an area where there are a lot of Christians Mm -hmm. and I kept, you know, seeing people on the trail and they'd say, did you hear what he said? Did you hear? And there was a, a mom with her little kids. And I heard, I overheard the children saying, I, God loves me. That man is wrong. (laughs) I was like high-fiving those little kids. Like out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) Clearly that man, I mean, I don't know what possessed him to say that he, I don't know what his motives were, Mm -hmm. but anyone who would side with Satan, they don't understand who they are siding with. They are clearly deceived. Mm -hmm. So Portia, let's, uh, or is there anything else you wanted to say? Anything else you want to get to? I kind of highlighted this uh, earlier, just paying attention to 
the words that are using here. And this is where I think word studies are good to know. Like, what does this mean? Are we talking about one person when we see the word offspring? Or are we talking okay. about, yeah. you know, so like collectively, if that word is a collective word, then we see that the victory that we have in the head of Satan or the serpent being striped, that's a shared that's victory. So that's it's not so just good. the woman there, Eve, in that particular passage. But it's us too. We have victory too. Yes. And there's so much hope in that good news. And, you know, I mean, it does feel like the snake is biting our heels. Like you Mm -hmm. were just talking about some Mm -hmm. physical issues that you've got going on. Mm -hmm. You know, doctors are trying to help you sort it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And like our bodies are like the, the whole world is set up against us in our, in our Mm -hmm. episode with Mike Whitmer, he's going to talk about how like the ground is against us. The stuff that comes up out of the ground, like cancer, Mm -hmm. all our whole world, we are at enmity with God. Mm -hmm. Like the whole Mm -hmm. world has set itself up as God's enemy. And so we're feeling that. And yet there is so much hope in this verse. And you know what I love Portia is Adam seems to, to cling on to that hope. Yes. In this, I think it's so interesting that God speaks this curse over the serpent before he gives the consequences to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not going to get to those consequences this time for Adam and Eve. That's coming next. But let's jump ahead to verse 20 because I see Adam like somehow he's found something to, to put his hope in. Yeah. So go ahead and read 20. So 20 says, the man named his wife. Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. It seems exactly. It's like, it's, it's at first, it seems like awkward. Like, okay, we've just had the consequences. And like, where's this coming from? Now now you're going to say like living, like, but you guys just brought death and everything. Exactly. (laughs) But, But you know, it's so interesting because Adam hears God's judgment And what he hears is the promises of God. He doesn't just Mm -hmm. hear the consequences of our sin. He hears the faithfulness of God and how God is going to deliver his people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The first Adam succumbed to the temptation Mm -hmm. and the second Adam, the seed of Eve one day, it's not Mm going to be for centuries um, Mm -hmm. later. They don't know. They don't know when this, this seed is coming, but he will overcome and he will um, be the one who does not succumb to temptation. Right. He'll be the bruised one who smashes the head of the serpent. Um, So that is the gospel, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Courtney doctor says uh, the war is on. God is saying the war is on and I'm going to win. And and so this is the first (laughs) glimpse of the gospel. And, uh, you know, he's about to, um, he's saying, I will defeat the one who is just defeated my children. So there's so much devastation in these verses. Mm -hmm. There's so much, the heaviness of the curse, but but Adam singles out that one little thread of hope Yep, and he's going to cling to that. And that's what we should do too. Right. Absolutely. That is what we should do. We got to live like it's true. That's right. (laughs) So Portia, what are some false narratives that this part of the story corrects? Oh man, there, there are so many. I think the first false narrative is, you know, think about our culture today. And, you know, I really feel like people have become so pessimistic Mm. that they feel like, oh, it's never going to get better. Or, you know, like 
basically the bad guy wins. Yeah. And the bad guy does not win. No. Evil will not prevail. Yeah. Um, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is God is always on the throne. So mm. we we always have a I, I say we, but let me say me. I have a <laughs> tendency to forget that God is not like his hands are never tied. Right. He is never powerless. Mm-hmm. He is never like unaware of what it is that we are going through. Even when we mess up, God has the ability to take that and repurpose it basically for yes. our good. So good. And so, yeah. And so I think that's, that's another thing that this passage corrects or helps us to uh, rightly align our thinking and knowing that even when a situation looks really, really bleak, like I have completely blown it, the faithfulness of God is still near, even mm. in that. Like yes. God, God is still capable of taking that whole thing and turning it around. And I've seen that happen so practically, even in my life. There have been moments where I've just thought, like, Lord, this is it. It is over. Mm. And God has repurposed my my pain, my, you know, um, what I've thought was the end of the rope. He's shown me, no, I'm gonna use this and I'll use it for not just your good, but for my glory. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that too, Portia. Like I, there've been times that I have sided with the enemy and it yeah. just makes me sick. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I see it in the way that I've um, raised my kids, like just my mm-hmm. anger issues. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have sided with the enemy. I've been the thorn in their flesh mm-hmm. and, oh, and that can just, it can feel like, well, that not what can be done. And right. yet, and yet look at even in the curse over Satan, I mean, God is just like, he, he's not putting me over on that enemy side. Right. Like he's so good. He's so good to draw right. the line and say, no, that is your enemy. You come back right. over here, honey. You're, you're my right. daughter. Right. Right. And, and like have nothing else to do with that side, with the side yep. of evil. But yeah. And I think you kind of said it too, um, that God can't do anything about evil like that is sort of yeah evil does feel like it's winning sometimes yes you know? I mean, or or the evil sometimes even feels like it's on the same playing field it's, right. and it's not like I remember when I was a little girl I used to think um because I I just I would always read books that contrast like you know good and evil or um weird thing when it would be storming really bad I would think oh that is God and the devil fighting right now and you know just really trying to figure out like say who's gonna win who's gonna win well here's the thing right here in this passage we see that God is basically saying I have already won Mm -hmm. like this this isn't even like it's not even a fight you know my mercy right now in not even just ending this whole thing is because I want some to see that they are on the wrong side. You know what I'm saying? God has the power to totally just nip this whole thing in the bud throw you know and we and honestly if we if we move forward into the book of revelation revelation 12 and I think it's verse 9 if you don't mind I would love to read that. That'd be great. Um but this is where we see the serpent being thrown, you know, into the lake of fire and it says here so the great dragon, which is basically a serpent, a reptile, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was thrown out 
the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. Then I'm going to read verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in, in heaven say, the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. Yes. And so we see here that like that, that in revelation, we think that like, oh, this is, we're waiting for this. No, we know that this is going to happen. Like I know, and God is alluding to that here in these verses that we're looking at in Genesis 3. Yes. The enemy has already in a sense been thrown down. Like he, exactly. He's already eaten dust girl. That's right. Already eaten dust. (laughs) (laughs) And yet I want to call out though, it can feel so hopeless. Like let's say somebody's addicted to something, you know, sin, a sinful addiction, pornography or, um, drug abuse, Mm -hmm. or even, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned an anger problem, like just not Mm -hmm. being able to find victory and constantly siding with the enemy who is set up in opposition Mm -hmm. to God. And we feel like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't overcome. And this is swallowing me or it's swallowing somebody I love. And yet the victory mm-hmm. has already been won. If we mm-hmm. are sided with the one, the offspring That's of it. the woman who was promised and yes. that if that promise was fulfilled, we mm-hmm. know that the coming promises are going to be fulfilled also. Absolutely. So give us some words about living like this is true. You know, the, the biggest thing that I can always say is this is why we have to keep our faces in God's word, because we are prone to forget these things, you know, especially, like I said, as believers, many of us have walked through these passages a million times, or, you know, maybe 20 years ago, it's like, oh, I've read that. But yeah, you got to read it again, because Mm -hmm. practically, like in a day to day, I am prone to forget that God has already won. Mm -hmm. I will let a circumstance, like specifically with my health, days when I'm having bad horrible health issues there's a temptation for me to let that rule as if that that's the end like this is you know this is just destroying my life and I have nothing to look forward to and then I have to go back and I have to look at the scriptures and I have to see the faithfulness of God Mm -hmm. and how how God promises to deliver and to be near to us but also seeing that the victory is already won, which means, which in turn means on the day when God finally says, all right, I'm about to wipe out, you know, I, I, I always think about the three Ps, the, the power of sin, the presence of sin, the penalty of sin, okay? The penalty was done away with, you know, on the cross. Jesus mm-hmm. paid the penalty and in turn, he imputes, he gives us the righteousness that yep. he rightly uh, attain. And then we have the power of sin. We are no longer under obligation to be on the devil's side. We yeah. don't have to be there. And then there's going to come a day when the presence of sin, so all that is bad, death, all everything is going to be done away with. And so that's what I have to remind myself. The problems that I experience in my mortal body, in my flesh, are only temporary. Because one day I'm going to receive a new glorified, incorruptible, that's what the Bible says, incorruptible body. 
And so that like for on a practical level, that's what looking living like is true looks like for me, knowing that the victory that God has secured through Christ Jesus is not just good for then, but it's good for me even right now in my moments and the hardships that I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. Like the thorn in the flesh, you were talking about Mm -hmm. the thorns in Mm -hmm. our flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. Paul, that's what Paul called it. The thorns are what have come up out of the ground because of this, this story, this fall, Mm -hmm. this was God's curse on Adam. You know, the things that we live with, it's a broken world. We live in the wilderness. We're not in the garden. And yet like it's a true story, Mm -hmm. true story, right? True 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 story that the enemy is going to be his head is going to be smashed in and we're going to be in a new garden one day if you look at the book of revelation um you and i were talking about nancy guthrie's book uh even better than eden yeah that's what she's talking about the 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 new place that we're going to be is going to be even Even better better. than eden yeah. Yeah. That's what we have to look forward to. Portia, thank you so much for having this conversation and thank you for being a fellow sister who lives like it's true. Well, thank you for having me. It has been a joy. Thanks for joining me for this true story of the beginning series. I hope you'll take some time alone with God and with your Bible open to Genesis one through three. Drink in the true story for yourself, this true story that you're in. Let it reframe your story with the truth. To help you work through this narrative, I've put some tools together for you in my free Live Like It's True workbook. The workbook is particularly designed to help you work through the narratives or the stories in the Bible. It'll help you sort through how the true story of Genesis 1 through 3 refutes the false narratives in the world. You can find a link for your free workbook in the show notes, along with links to some of the various other resources we've been mentioning and recommending. Many of these resources are actually written by our guests in this season, including Nancy Guthrie, Mary Cassian, Courtney Doctor, and more. Are you enjoying this podcast? If so, would you be willing to rate and review? This helps us widen our reach and helps us to serve others as they're able to find the show. Also, if you have questions or ideas for me, I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much to my producer, Maria Lyons, and my son, Cade Popkin, for providing all of the music that you hear here on the show. And thanks most of all to you for tuning in. It is my joy and privilege to serve you. And now it's time to go live like it's true.